one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Uh, We're on the eve of Mother's Day, so uh, yeah, big day tomorrow to shout out to all the moms, I think that... By the time this episode comes out, we'll be past it, but we are recording on the day before Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the moms and ladies out there that are, you know, that have been mother figures for everybody and getting us to all to the point of where we're at today, so uh, appreciate you guys. But today, got Chad back and a couple new friends with us from First Light Safety Group, uh, Stephen Clymer and Kevin Smith. And uh, welcome to you guys, and welcome into the show, and thanks for being here on a Saturday morning. How's it going? Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Jason. Yeah, so um, everybody good? Kind of getting busy? I, I think uh, school year's winding down. Are you guys starting to see, you know, things opening back up? I think one of you are in Canada. I think Kevin's in Canada, and Stephen's in, in Texas. So, uh, you know, we've from what we've seen in the news, things are seeming to to get open back up from COVID, but uh, you want to talk a little bit just about how things are going, um, you know, in the industry. Yeah, Stephen, Stephen's more of a frontliner for us. He's out pounding the pavement, working with people like Chad to be able to go and showcase our products to school. So uh, he's a better source to talk about what he's seeing out on the ground. Well, you know, it, it's different everywhere, I think, is, is probably the best way to explain that. I'm here in Texas and uh, Texas, you know, we run things a little bit differently. We haven't had a mask mandate in a while. Um, one of the first things I saw last week was I went into a school district and they actually did not require anyone to wear a mask, you know, no temperature check, no mask. Um, so we've been pretty well back to normal, but it's, it's been a good thing, I guess, for, you know, the students and for the industry and our local economy. I mean, people are, are certainly getting back to work. I know because I just sat in traffic this morning. So people are out shopping, getting back to work. Students are in school, which, you know, I have a six-year-old and we tried that uh, in-home learning for a while. Uh, we tried and failed. Um, so he's been he's been in school for a while. And, you know, as far as, as my local economy here in my household, I've, I've seen a pretty good uptick in business and and actually having meetings with directors like yourself. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking to get rid of that mask too. I'm about yeah. done with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's an interesting, interesting time, you know, obviously, especially right, you know, just like Texas, Arizona has lifted a lot of their, um, you know, procedures and, and executive orders that were in place, but kind of putting it back on the businesses as far as in school districts on whether or not you're going to wear or not wear or make it optional, you know, kind of make it your choice. So um, definitely kind of a, a different, I think it was easier when everybody had to do it. And now it's like, well, you know, am I going to get judged if I do it? Or if I'm, am I going to get judged if I don't do it? Right. It's from both sides. So, um, but yeah, definitely, definitely interesting. So, 
Um, maybe I'll start out with Steve and then we'll get into Kevin. Kind of, how did you get into School Bus World and how did you end up with First Light Safety Group? So, I kind of lucked backwards into it. Honestly, you know, it's uh, it's not an industry I think very many people from the outside really think about. I, I certainly didn't. Um, I was working as an account manager and a data analyst. And um, I remember I was at a trade show. I worked in Frisco where the TSD conference has been held, the Transporting Students with Disability Conference for the last several years. And I ran into a representative from Roscoe and learned all about Roscoe and, and school bus and, and how that all kind of bridged together. And we sat down, had a few drinks at the bar, and I just so happened to be working across the street. And we started talking about school bus and how they need some representation in Texas. So, you know, I worked with them for a number of years and I actually had the pleasure of meeting Kevin Smith, who's who's our president of our company. And um, after working for Roscoe for a few years and seeing him, meeting him, seeing the product, um, Really what it was is I saw them at the TAPT show at the Hilton Anatole right before COVID, the year before COVID. And I remember looking over at their booth and they probably had 15 to 20 different transportation directors gathered around their booth, checking out the fully illuminated stop arm and the illuminated school bus sign. And I remember thinking as a salesperson, man, that's awesome. The, the salesperson working that booth can go to lunch and leave an order for them on the table. And she's got the easiest job in the world. Right. Um, but no, I walked over there and, and, and met with her. Her name is Cam Kwan. She's our, our sales director and she's a very pretty woman. And I, I kind of figured, you know, who knows what they're really at the booth for. But uh, we, we struck up a conversation and one thing led to another. And I've been with First Light Safety product or groups now, products now for um, just over a year. So that was kind of my, a little bit of my backstory there. Cool. And Kevin? Well, mine's, uh, my story is a bit longer. Uh, I've been involved in, in manufacturing products for transportation companies for well over 15 years. We've been involved in, in bus in general for over a decade. Uh, we just got involved in school bus back in 2017. We started developing our illuminated school bus sign and illuminated stop arm. But before then, we had developed and supplied uh, LED lights and just a variety of customer-specific engineered products to some of the countries, some of the U.S.'s largest manufacturers of transit bus and coach. So um, we were lucky enough to get an opportunity to take a trip down to Thomas Bus back in mid-2017, and it was brought up to us. We were there for our other core business, which is that custom manufacturing side of things I mentioned. We were down there looking at opportunities. Our salesperson at the time had brought us in. And one of the engineers had brought up to us a project they were working on for a um, entertaining how to upgrade their school bus sign, their destination sign, as they call it. Mm -hmm. And we had done some work previously with a LED technology from another industry and when we looked at what they were trying to accomplish, we immediately saw that there was a, a good marriage there between what we were already working on and the need on school buses. And quite honestly, Jason, since that time in 2017, a lot of our efforts have been put towards developing this product. Um, since 2017, my group has invested in uh, a number of engineers, a number of testing equipment. 
production equipment. We have a facility now for the school bus signs and stop arms that is almost completely vertically integrated, uh, meaning everything that basically goes on those products is made in-house. So the products are uh, are domestic, I guess, to us. And um, no, it's been it's been quite the journey in developing the products, uh, understanding the school bus industry. And now we're at a point of, of rolling out the various products into the industry. And where Stephen joined us was right before the pandemic, about a month before the pandemic, he joined us. And then the month the pandemic really hit in the U.S. is when we rolled out our school bus sign. So it, it delayed what our plans were for market penetration. Sure. Uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of really good turnaround, a lot of fantastic interest. And, um, you know, what really is what I'm enjoying about this a lot is how many schools see the product as being extremely valuable for their buses and being able to do what we believe it can do, which is save lives and uh, reduce the probability of a dangerous or failed situation from occurring. And I, I got Stephen, Stephen, I got to, uh, got to meet a couple weeks ago and, you know, get the tour of, of what the, the illumination of the school bus sign and the stop arm look like. So Stephen, can you talk a little bit about like, you know, really the design behind it, the just you know how bright it is the you know visibility from the road and, and kind of what the market is like you know are we talking about a retrofit something or is this something that needs to be you know specced at the at the time of order so that it comes with the bus you know what i mean for people who don't know what this is like give me a little bit of a, a verbal idea of what you know what we're talking about here yeah absolutely it, it is something that's relatively new um, particularly in our part of the country. So what it is, our illuminated school bus sign, you actually have a number of school districts there in the immediate Phoenix area that are using the signs currently. What it is, is it mounts over the top of the decal, right? So in the same place that the decals are at, the say school bus at the top of the bus, front and back. And really what it's designed to do, it lights up, mounts externally to the bus. It's visible beyond a thousand feet. And it's readable beyond 300 feet. So really what it's designed to do is early morning, um, poor weather conditions, situations where there may be impeded visibility, it lights up and just lets oncoming motorists know, hey, this is a school bus and this vehicle follows a different mode of operation. Um, as you and I had talked about, there's there's certain situations, particularly in urban environments or even in rural environments where you know, there could be some confusion as to whether or not that's actually a school bus, whether it could be a garbage truck, a tow truck or some other asset type. And I know, you know, reading a lot of the like the NTSB reports, that's kind of the commonality whenever people pass a school bus. A lot of times it could be, you know, a situation where they have it confused with a different vehicle type. So that's really what it is. It's an LED light. We have over 450 LEDs in that light mounts to the top of the bus to make the oncoming motorist more aware of that vehicle. It's more attention grabbing. It's kind of similar. You and I had talked about this, how, you know, fire trucks, ambulances, and police cars, you know, if you compare those to the same vehicle type, even from 30 years ago, 
you know, those fire trucks, ambulances and police cars have a lot more reflective tape on them, a lot more lights, more sirens. They're much more attention grabbing. However, whenever you look at a modern day school bus and you compare that to one from 30 years ago, it looks relatively the same. And the other advantage that it has, in my opinion, is those decals that say school buses, reflective stickers that almost every school is using. Those things are located 10 feet off the ground, which, in my opinion, really isn't the optimal area for headlights, for example, from a passenger vehicle to hit and shine back. Right. You're relying on that external light source, which may not always be adequate. Got it. Got it. Well, you guys already answered both of my questions. The main question I had was, how did you come up with the idea? You answered that, Kevin. And then, Stephen, you answered my question about you know, distances. How far away can be seen? How far away can it be read? And, I mean, you're right. You need as much attention-grabbing lighting, reflective material or whatever on a school bus as possible. Just Because there are people, especially nowadays, people looking at their cell phone, looking at the radio, distracted driving, drinking their Starbucks coffee. I mean, the more uh, lighting and awareness that you can put on a school bus, definitely the safer and better for the children. So the other question that Jason asked is specking in the aftermarket versus specking on a new bus. Um, Jason, honestly, I see a lot of both. Um, Just this week, for example, I have a school district in Houston. They are a very large school district. They put our signs on 44 buses, which happen to be all of their special education buses, all of their buses with a wheelchair lift. And the transportation director informed me that part of his decision-making process on that was those buses can be sitting at a bus stop for 10 times longer than a normal stop. And he also is utilizing our fully illuminated stop arms because those were kind of a point of contention with him. And then his plan moving forward is to spec those on new buses coming from the OEMs with the product already on there, which was easier for him budgetary wise um, to have that product in a capital expenditure. That you're, your you're, a fa- you're, you're a factory option for all three of the major school bus manufacturers now, correct? We're not. We're only a factory option. We're officially a factory option with Thomas Bus. And we're approved on all three of their models, being their uh, their C's, their A's, and their D's. Um, I C, we are, I believe, we're fully approved. We're going back and forth with I C on a number of things right now, but uh, I believe that'll be done here within the next week or two. We're also working with um, Collins Bus, Microbird, and TransTech in launching our school bus signs on their buses as well. So Kevin, was was this kind of a, I mean, I, I know that you said that you met with Thomas Bus and this was a project that they were working on, but was was this concept kind of a, a direct response to maybe a state, I think New York requires those illuminated um, signs that were, you know, kind of almost archaic at this point. Was that kind of the mentality of, okay, we can have this as a, as a better offering without having to have this glass option that is really not illuminated very well. Yeah, Jason, I think from their side, that was probably the genesis for them. I mean, they were looking at how many destination signs they sell into New York with their various bus models and were looking for a better alternative. I don't know if if they had contemplated the same kind of thoughts we have in terms of greater market acceptance and, and heightened safety on the buses, but For us, 
you know, just getting into school bus back in 2017, when we developed our first prototype and conceptualized how it would go on the buses and what it could mean to safety, Stephen touched on it. But one of the first things we did was we looked at emergency, other emergency vehicles and looked at the evolutions they went through for lighting. And all that is for the same purpose is to grab the attention of oncoming motorists as early as possible to avoid a, you know, a bad situation from occurring. And we quickly saw that school buses had not gone through that same evolution. Therefore, we believe that this was a much needed uh, safety device to be deployed on school buses for exactly what Chad said, anything to get the attention of the drivers. And, you know, what I see is that you have 25% of all accidents on the road these days are caused by a distracted driver. And that could mean they're distracted by a number of different things. So what our products should do is give that driver the most amount of time to recognize the bus. And that second of actually recognizing the bus could mean the difference of an accident or a fatality from not occurring. Um, to us, more time in recognizing it means more chances something doesn't happen. Totally, I mean, totally makes sense, right? I, 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 before COVID, I was driving a bus almost every day. So, you know, seeing people pass the stop arm, seeing, you know, just blatant disregard for a school bus. And I, I get that, you know, um, you drive the same route every day or people commuting to work and it's easy to get in that just that tunnel vision that you don't see anything else. You know, almost it's almost distracted, but not distracted. Right. You're just totally zoned out to everything around. You're not paying attention. So uh, I totally agree. And I, and I love the product. I think it's, you know, um, definitely something that has probably been needed for quite some time. And, and, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes, like just the development of technology alone for the school bus in the last 10 years has grown exponentially that, you know, what is a school bus going to look like in the next 10 years? So, um, you know, I think it's really getting all the, the motor carriers and the states on board with, you know, allowing these or to be written into their minimum standards or, um, you know, just their school bus specs at the state level this almost needs to be something that is, you know, pretty much required at the federal level that, you know, all school bus, school buses have to have by, say, 2050 or something, you know, something along those lines. So, Stephen, uh, a little bit about, like, just the install in general. People were wanting, you know, any mechanics listening, like, how easy is this to go in and retrofit and put in? Were, were we talking about, like, a, a big... You said it goes right over it, but do we have to cut into the school bus body? Is it just a couple screws that screw right in? So we actually use four to six rib nuts, just depending on the year, make and model, because the signs do fit the actual school bus. So a Bluebird sign looks different from an IC, from a Thomas, for example. Um, but the install is very quick and very easy, in my opinion. I say quick. It's probably a little over an hour per bus. I've done a number of installs myself. Your first one takes a little bit of time, but we come right off the fuse tab, come up that chase behind the driver with a four-foot harness, and then there's a 47-foot harness reaching the back sign, seven-and-a-half-foot harness reaching the front sign. There is no big hole being cut in the bus. I know that's probably one of the number one things that I hear from mechanics is, you know, how, how many holes am I putting in my bus? So, like I said, it's four to six rib nuts. Um that secure the signs of the bus, a three-quarter inch hole for the power harness, 
I haven't had any issues with water leakage. We provide all of the gaskets. The sign comes out of the box fully sealed. It's relatively easy to install. Um, and again, I mount it right over the top of the decal in one of those aftermarket situations because I have ran into customers who, you know, for whatever reason, if they wreck the bus or want to sell the bus, it's just four bolts, drop your sign and you can throw it on a new bus. It's actually faster. I had a mechanic tell me the other day, it's faster to install our signs over an existing decal that may be faded or cracked than it is to actually scrape off the old decal sure. and put on the new decal. He said it was faster to actually put our sign on, which which was a bit of a surprise. And then I went out there and actually changed one out, and I knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah, well, when you get things sunbaked here in Arizona, it's uh, you know the sun does a, a pretty good damage. Which is kind of my next question: like, how does this hold up to the elements? Right? I mean, it's been. I assume that you guys have gone through a, a, just a variety of different type of testing and and cold weather and hot weather and and you know just the the sun here is unlike anything else in any other part of the world right so uh can you talk a little bit about that yeah we uh what we did was we actually looked at the you know what's going to be critical for the environment and we purchased the necessary testing equipment to run the science through a battery of tests and one of the big ones I mean and this is to Thomas Bus's credit they brought up to us Jason that they had some problems in the past with some of their decals fading and some of yeah. their fading. Yeah, I say decals up in Canada. That's all right. We, we won't judge. <laughs> I mean, I could say decals if you want. No, no, that you're, you're fine. Oh, okay. decals, decals. Okay, okay. I was like, what's he talking about? I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I will say decals. <laughs> anyway, Thomas, uh, I mean, Thomas told us that they had problems in the past, and then we started digging into it. We realized they did. So what we did is we bought a UV testing chamber, which allows us to place different materials with different kinds of printing processes in a chamber and basically replicate uh, the worst kind of sun UV conditions over a long period of time. Uh, then we looked at different printing processes, different kinds of inks, different kinds of material substrates, all to get the best combination of materials to allow it to last for uh, the most amount of time with the least amount of fade. And, you know, luckily for us, um, yellow and red are the two colors that fade the most in the sun. So the two colors that our products are based on are the worst for being, you know, sun-soaked, I think, as you put it, or yep. whatever that term was. Um, but, no, I, I mean, we've, we've been able to hit that mark. Um, another important detail that we should mention too with our signs is that how they're designed is that there's multiple um, there's multiple strips of LEDs inside that sign, and none of them are interconnected. Which means on some LED products you have them strung together. So if one goes out, they all go out. So the sign basically shuts down. Ours is different. Ours, all the strips are working independently of one another, which means if you had a strip that had a problem or an LED that had an issue, um, it would still be very bright, very visible. And we've made these signs to last a number of years, uh, both from a UV standpoint and a uh, illumination performance standpoint. And you, and so how hard is it to how hard is it to switch out? Like if, if let's say one of the panels, one of the, you have so many of the lights that go out over the years, or yep. you know sun fade, whatever. 
Uh, do you have to replace the entire harness, or is, can you just plug it into the new harness and put the sign on? Yeah, our um, our intention there is once the frame has been mounted on the outside of the bus and that exterior installation has taken place for the first sign, then popping off that frame and replacing a sign for another sign is very simple. right? A lot of that install time that Stephen talked about was the prep, was to get the spacing for the holes lined up, get them drilled through, get the rib nuts placed in there. But once that setup is there, it's, you know, it really is unhooking four to six screws, popping that frame out. The sign is free floating inside the frame and then replacing that sign, reconnecting it and fastening it back on the exterior of the bus. Chad, Chad, if you had to change one out, it'd be 10 minutes. It'd be, it's five minutes for the front, five minutes for the back. And that's climbing up in the engine block. It's, it's, it's easy peasy. (laughs) So, I mean, that's, that's beneficial right there, especially, you know, looking 10, 15 years down the road versus, yeah. like you said, scraping the, the decal off or even getting a new decal if you want to, you know, do it halfway and just stick a new decal on over the old one. It'd still be less time by the time you line up and stick it on there and get all the air bubbles out. So, yeah, that's great. So the harness stays in place. It's just the sign that's replaced. That's right. So, Stephen, I mean, both Stephen and Kevin, we've talked a lot about the, the school bus sign itself, but you guys have the stop arm option as well. What is that? I mean, what does that look like? Same technology, same premise. Does it work? Is it an electronic only sign? Is it, uh, you know, the air option also available? Can you guys talk a little bit about uh, the stop arm option? To the stop arm, Stephen, you are, you are welcome to go ahead. I mean, you, you sell this stuff every day. Yeah. I just try to sell this stuff to you. So why don't you go ahead and hit him with your best there, Kevin? You've seen how many I've sold, man. You don't have to sell me at all. I was sold from day one. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 a believer, that's for sure. So uh, yeah, the stop arm, man. Honestly, it's 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 not really something I feel like I have to sell. To tell you the truth, I plug it in and people go, "Wow!" Um, so the whole background that lights up on the stop arm, it's retro reflective. It strobes top and bottom. With it being backlit, like our stop arm is. It's much, much, much more visible. It's easier to read. It's easier to make out the word stop. Um, a lot of those people who pass the school bus, for example, say, hey, I saw blinking lights. I and mean, there's a lot of other large industrial vehicles with blinking lights where our sign really stands out is the fact that the whole background lights up, which gives you several hundred inches of LED illuminated surface area. So the stop arms are only on one side of the bus, but with them fully lighting up, the whole side of the bus has a red aura to it, if you will. So just a much greater improved safety. One of the things that I really like about the stop arms, we were talking about the mechanics possibly listening to this, our bolt pattern matches the OEM bolt pattern, whether you're using electric drive or pneumatic drive. Plus, there's no special harnessing, right? You're talking 30 minutes to change out a stop arm at most. Very, very, very easy to change out. Um, I haven't had any issues out of any of them in the field. I know that that's a common question I get asked about wear and tear on different components. Our stop arm is much more robust. Kevin's been there since since the 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 initial development of the stop arm. He could probably talk to that, but I think. You know, the thing I run into is most people who see it intuitively understand what it is and what the benefits are right off the hop. 
And Jason, I guess that's a really good question for you. You've seen it. What were, what were some of your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it, from what I, I mean, obviously we were just doing a, a virtual piece here, so I haven't had the, the real option to see it on a school bus. But, I mean, it's bright, right? It's it's out there, and I can only imagine, you know, here, um, day, you know, daylight, it's, it's already getting light at like 5 o'clock in the morning, right, for summertime, and we're getting ready to close the school year down, but... During the winter time, it's it's dark to almost seven seven fifteen. So that stop arm, that you know, that bright sign, and especially for us, we're urban school district, so we're in the heart of, you know, Tempe, Chandler, Abatuki area, where we have buses that are stopping on a on a four lane road. You know, traffic going both ways. That we got to stop traffic both ways. You know, that extra visibility is is going to be, um, you know, I I would imagine would have to, you know, really grab somebody's attention, right? And uh, I think you guys also have the strobes on there also as options on the stop arm as well, correct? Three-inch yeah. strobes, top and bottom LED. Yeah, so so the backlit plus the strobes, I mean, that's, you know, that's really getting out there as far as um, some lighting there. So I'm excited to see both the, stop, the school bus sign plus the stop arms front and back. You know, those are going to be um, so a, a pretty pretty grabbing eye popping uh opportunity out there on the road that i think is really going to translate to you know hopefully people stopping for the school bus a lot more frequently so you and i were actually talking about our recent article in stn one of my schools was actually featured in that article um northeast isd they they service about twenty six thousand students in south texas the san antonio area and they track their stop arm violations, and they're actually showing a double-digit decline in stop arm violations since implementing our technology, and they now have over 50 buses with it on there. Um, they're going to give us the results of that data in August. However, what the, the Jack DeForest, the executive transportation director, told me, he said something that really resonated with me. He's like, I think with the signs in the stop arms, what is happening is the oncoming motors, people who may – may have passed the school bus in, in in years past, see the illuminated school bus signs, see that stop arm and see the change in the overall appearance of the school bus. And they're starting to put it in the same category as as a police car or a an ambulance or a fire truck. They're treating it with a much greater level of respect. And I think we're catching a lot of those people who, if we didn't have that technology, may just ignore it. Well, and I, so, I agree to that. And I think that, you know, with the help of social media, there's been a lot more information and education about you have to stop for a school bus when the stop arm is out, right? There's not an option. It's not, well, I'm going the opposite direction and I'm on a giant roadway. There shouldn't be kids crossing, right? It's, it's you have to stop. There is, there's not that. And I, and I think that over time, you know, from starting way back when, you know, when, when school buses and the, and the whole, all the law of stopping for a school bus came to be, like, the only time that you really hear about it, unless you go look for it on the internet, is at your learner's permit or, your you know, when you get your driver's license, you have to stop for a school bus. That's the only time that anybody's really educated about what the, the laws of the road are. Now, you can't claim ignorance and be like, well, I didn't know, but I also think that with companies like this that are coming in with different options and we're doing this educational stuff, the, the articles and everything, uh, you know, I think you shared with me a couple campaigns that you guys have been involved with that, you know, unfortunately had some 
some tragic outcomes because of it, but was also kind of helped spurn this into a, you know, this thought process and, and actually coming to fruition. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So to kind of stem off of that, you know, it's, I, I see more and more transportation directors starting to become open to newer technology. You mentioned newer technologies. You're a technology guy. I'm a technology guy. I think part of it is there's younger and younger people getting in the school bus transportation space. I mean, that's probably my greatest obstacle when I go in and talk to a school district is a lot of people, I guess it's, it's partially just the school bus transportation space itself. A lot of people have that mentality of this is the way we've been doing it. And this is the way we've been doing it for the last 40 years. Right. And as a matter of fact, I I remember meeting with the transportation director recently in Oklahoma. I'm sure Chad's probably like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. In Oklahoma, I remember him telling me, well, we've been using that sticker for 40 years and I haven't had a kid die yet. And I just remember sitting there, I, seriously, Chad, I just remember sitting there and it took everything in me. I mean, I'm not a combative person, but I just wanted to say, you know, so you mean to tell me, you know, what about seat belts? Those things haven't been in cars forever. What about anti-lock brakes? What about airbags? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay. if you're going to approach things with that type of mentality that, well, this is the way we've been doing it and only a few kids die every year. That's, that's, that's not, you know, the best way to do it. Really, it should be sure. zero. Zero accidents, zero injuries, and until we achieve that achieve that year over year, then we haven't achieved what's best. You know, sure. this is the next best thing, and I would say that's my challenge, probably the challenge with anyone. And it's funny after I had the meeting with this gentleman, I just remember thinking, man, we'd all still be riding horses if we had that kind of mentality. And I, I read a, an interview; somebody interviewed Henry Ford, right? 67 years ago and they asked Henry Ford how did you know that your your business would be successful and he was like I didn't every time I asked somebody what they wanted in a car they would laugh at me and tell me they didn't need a car they just needed a faster horse <laughs> so I think we're probably all wired a little bit to kind of stick with what's familiar what's comfortable and you know Jason people like you getting out there sharing the word having these podcasts people like us who our vendors and having those campaigns and informing the general public, but not only the general public, a lot of the transportation directors, a lot of these people I talked to have been doing it for 30 years, just convincing them to take that step out there and make that change. And just because you haven't had a kid get ran over and killed at your school district doesn't mean that there's not a better way of doing sure. things. There's always yeah. a continuous improvement. Well, and I can definitely, so add, yeah, I can definitely add that, you know, one of the other challenges that you're probably not mentioning is just, you know, budgets, right? From from a standpoint, of, uh, probably nationwide, I know at least here in Arizona, budgets are being slashed all over the place because of COVID and, you know, students going to, you know, people pulling their kids out of school and we're, most of us are all funded by, by our students. So, yeah. um, you know, so that becomes a, a different factor, right? We might want to do it, but how do we, how do we achieve that without you know, really pushing those dollars out of the classroom to come back onto the school bus or, or whatnot. Right. So, you know, there's some different ways that we can do that. And that's why I was saying, you know, almost specking it into a school bus build so that it goes into bond dollars versus, you know, M and O funds where you're trying to do a retrofit or something like that. Those are some ways to, you know, to achieve that. But if you're only buying a one school bus per year and you've got 40 buses in your fleet, 
it's gonna be a long time to you know to turn that over so um i think it's just about how you get creative with your you know with your sales guys well it's that and you know the way that i think about it when we start discussing budget because that almost always comes up whenever i'm out speaking with a school district who's interested in the product the way i think about it from a sales salesman's point of view and maybe it's because i'm a salesperson you know, me and my wife, we sit down and do our budget and we do our bills. And I every month I'm like, man, we have so many streaming services. This is ridiculous. I got rid of cable and now my bill's even higher. But you know what? It's all about what's important to you. Like I pay $15 a month for a music streaming service. My wife thinks it's ridiculous, but I'm a salesperson. I spend 15 hours a week at least in a car. You know what I mean? I'm paying for a music streaming service. So it really doesn't matter. In, in my mind, whenever I'm in talking to a school district, it's all about what the priority is. You know, there's always a way to squeeze one in, like like your special education buses. You know, I've got an order of 44 special education buses, stop arm front and back, illuminated school bus sign. And I know that really took a lot for him to do it. But he had a couple of incidences on the road where where a few children were nearly hit. And, and it just so happened to be on some of the sped routes. So it was just a higher level of priority to him. And some areas are dealing with, you know, situations of those near misses. Like you said, you're in a very urban environment. Um, I had a meeting last week with with Phoenix Elementary and, you know, Brian over at uh, Phoenix Unified, he's actually using our signs as well. Very urban environments and some of the same things that you were talking about. So for him and for others like them, it was just a higher, higher priority where they, they were able to move some of those budget dollars sure, and around. I, and I think it's part of being a little bit uh, more preventative and preemptive on trying to prevent that, right? Because I'm sure a lawsuit of something tragic like that happening would cost, in the, you know, lots of millions of dollars, right? And so if there's some, some way that we can, you know, change our thought process and the focus of, well, we don't really have the money. It hasn't happened yet, but we change that to, hey, what can we do to make our buses safer and more visible, et cetera, et cetera. If it, if it forever prevents that, we can say, hey, you know, that, that information that you're getting out of your, your school district that's, that's pulling that information, that's going to be some really informa- information or interesting information to look at, right? How much did it really decrease? And, and you know, what does that look like? And, and what would... What would happen if he put those school buses back, took those buses out and put, you know, different buses back in, would those numbers start to climb again? So, um, you know, I think the you know, the unfortunate side is that we don't have enough help from law enforcement. They don't have the, the manpower that can go out there and follow a school bus around and just ticket people left and right. Um, you know, those are the so we've got to come up with different solutions like this to uh, to kind of go out on a limb and do it on, on our own. Well, I mean, the double the double digit decline in Texas should be the best selling point there is. I mean, a double digit decline. I mean, we've got proof that these work, and transportation directors should jump all over this based on that. And I deal with enough transportation directors that you know, there's things like, well, I want more horsepower. Well, you don't need more horsepower. You know, back in the day, 180 horsepower worked just fine. You know, based on the argument the guy in Oklahoma made to you, well, this has been working great for years. I guarantee you he's improved his horsepower, which costs extra money. I mean, all the things that he's changed, and, and then you go into sh- their shop, I guarantee you they have the best tools, the up-to-date tools. They're not using the old wrenches like back in the day to do everything. So 
it's a it's a minimal investment for the safety of the kids, which is what a school bus is supposed to be all about, is the safety of the kids. That should be first and foremost, and everything else comes after that. And adding your school bus signs and your stop arms, if if you've got proof of a double-digit decline in, in cars passing the buses, that's all the proof a transportation director should need to say we need to do this because it makes them safer. And again, I will say forever that the safety of a kid should be number one top priority on a school bus, period, in the discussion. Not horsepower, not, you know, tinted windows or more comfortable seat for the driver or even the best air conditioning. If you can get by with a cheaper air conditioning to spend a little bit more on the safety of the kids, do it. Well, to that point, sorry, that's that's my soapbox. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good soapbox to be on, but we've had schools come to us and say, we've been ordering our buses with tinted windows or whatever features that they think are, are important, but they're going to substitute those features for our products because they value that what our products do above uh, the other options they were selecting for their buses previously. Sure. I no, do want to... No. I do want to add a comment on the stop arms. I, you know, I think the reason why our stop arms are so effective is that it does look like a stop sign. I mean, Jason, you brought up a point that just only through driver's education were uh, were taught about stopping for school buses when they're stopped and and being more cautious. You think it's common sense, but regardless, uh, that's the only time you're actually trained with the proper you know, requirements around a school bus, why our stop arm is effective is that it looks like a stop sign and there's no ambiguity. You know, you have a, an octagon now that is fully lit up, that is bright red. And what's important to me is that, that those letters stop, the S-T-O-P, are in crisp, bright white. So it's it's having those letters that are very visible that say stop to the driver. Mm-hmm not muted by the flashers of strobes that make it very powerful, right? Because if if they're not going to go through driver's training again when they're 30 or 40 years old about what to do around a school bus, then it's a matter of making that stop sign look more like a stop sign on a bus. Sure. Having that program reaction. Yeah, and Stephen was pointing out that our, our Department of Public Safety here in Arizona actually wanted the uh, reflection tape around, the white reflection tape around the the trim of the stop arm so you know that's just an added feature of you know headlights being able to illuminate that along with um you know the illuminated led lights that are protruding from the stop arm well we have on our stop arms we have a uh, a reflective white border that goes around our octagons that are lit up so you get the benefit of the the white stop the lit up red background and a lit up reflective white border around the entire octagon, which looks just like a I stop sign. I don't know how anybody can miss that. <laughs> you know That's what's funny though, Chad? You never know. So you know, we, we were talking about DOT just now, and Chad had made a comment. Um, I had a DOT officer, and I, I believe it was in Oklahoma. As a matter of fact, we we're sitting there talking, and he brought up some really interesting points to me that I. I work into my pitch whenever I'm talking to transportation directors, but one of them was, he was like, you know, a school bus, again, 
it's it's a big yellow bus and it's been a big yellow bus for about 80 years now and people on the road are used to seeing the school bus every morning pick up kids at relatively the same time and drop kids off every afternoon at relatively the same time and he was like you've heard that the majority of serious accidents happen within 5 miles of a person's home and I'm like yeah I've heard that and he's like it's because people get used to their surroundings and and drop their guard and you tend to miss things that you're very, very used to. And, you know, the school bus, even though it's a big 40 foot yellow bus with blinking lights on it, you'd be surprised at how often people just fade out or don't see it or don't give it the same level of attention that they should. However, whenever you see that school bus with a big, you know, nearly four foot light on the top, on the front and the back and, and lit up stop arms, it, it brings it out of the everyday commonality and sits it into its own new category. It's almost like, oh, my God, there's there's a school bus with a bunch of lights on it. It just it looks very different. It elevates it to something modern. Sure. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, guys, and there's products out there now. You're talking about technology for school buses. There's some really good products out there that are meant to alert the students. And if you look at Stephen's point, the, the the gentleman with the DOT mentioned to him that people are more comfortable when they get closer to their house. That's going to be the same thing for kids, right? When they're getting on or off the bus close to their house, you should be very, very comfortable, right? They should be relaxed. They shouldn't be thinking necessarily about safety. They're probably looking at their cell phones. They got the earbuds in. So putting the safety on the kids to be more cautious, I mean, that's important to be more alert. Well, the safety has got to be on the drivers, right? It's got to be on the motorists they're approaching. And I, I fully support the products that alert the bus drivers and alert the students. But in my humble opinion, that's placing the onus on the wrong market. The, the onus has got to be on the, on the drivers that are approaching the school bus, yep. right? Because as much as the drivers are distracted, the students are more so distracted. I mean, I don't know if you guys have kids, but it takes me about ten times to to call my kids to get their attention, and that's when they're that's when they're looking at me for crying out loud. Get <laughs> them off the bus in front of their home. You know, can't wait to go home and play video games or do something. How how much is that kid thinking about a car? Sure, right. Yeah, it just goes back to that education piece, right? I mean, you know, a lot of school districts are really working on that. You know. Um, safety piece for students, what what the expectations are at the bus stop and on their way, you know, to and from the bus stop. So, you know, it it goes there. But you're right, the kids are kids, and they're gonna, you know, be horsing around, messing around with their friends, or you know, not paying attention. And and so, I agree, it it does need to be. And and that's where I was kind of going with is that the more media that's getting out there, and the more that we can drive attention to this issue is really going to hopefully, you know, take, take, take root in what we're trying to do and, you know, make the school bus safer, the roadways safer, all of that stuff. You know, you see the autonomous vehicles that are coming out, you know, I can only imagine what things are going to look like 25, 30 years from now, if, if vehicles are driving themselves and, you know, we're really taking the human element out of transportation. I think it'll be really interesting to see for sure. Education and awareness, like you said, Jason. I mean, that's that's been one of my challenges is how do I – I got to stand up on a soapbox and scream from the corner, you know, with the lack of trade shows because our industry is very trade show-centric, you know, as far as getting the word out. So 
we, we've adapted really, really well to that. In my opinion, we have a wonderful marketing manager who, who's done a very good job of that. And I think the word is starting to get out and people like you helping to spread the word that there, there's, there's not just a one prong approach, right? There, there's more technology out there. There's more things available and we're starting to have pretty good traction. I think uh, just in the state of Texas, I have close to 500 buses rolling around in the aftermarket with our product and another hundred plus coming from the OEMs over the next several months. Um, state of Arizona, I think you guys are probably approaching that 100 bus mark. So it's it's coming. Like you yep. said, it's coming. Maybe not an autonomous vehicle just yet, but uh, these things are going to look cool with Biden, with the with the current administration's um, initiative to put, what was it, $25 billion in electric buses? Tell me these products wouldn't look amazing right. on an electric right. bus, right? They just look like they belong. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. And, and before COVID, Arizona was actually working on a school bus uh, specification rewrite on all of our minimums, you know, the school bus operations and whatnot. So hopefully after these restrictions start getting lifted that we can get back to uh, working on that. And, you know, that might be something that we can write into, you know, the actual specification of what is required in Arizona and make it requirement for everybody. So um, kind of wrapping up here, where can uh, – if anybody's interested, how can they find more about, uh, you know, your guys' product and First Light Safety? Yeah, they can go on our website at uh, First Light Safety uh, Products or First Light Safety dot com. Uh, we're also going to be featured in an upcoming episode of Advancements TV, hosted by Ted Danson. Um, they actually approached us. It's a CNBC, Amazon type program where they asked us if we would participate. That's airing on June 12th uh, at 2.30 Eastern right. time on uh, CNBC. Um, and anybody that has any inquiries are welcome to contact Stephen and our entire uh, sales and marketing team. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys' time today. And, uh, you know, we'll just kind of leave it, let everybody go around the room one more time. Any, you guys got any kind of final last comments? Stephen, we'll start with you. <sighs> Well, Jason, I just want to say that I really appreciate you taking the time, time out of your Saturday, time away from the family and friends to uh, to hang out with us and nerd out on some bus talk. You know, I'm a big bus nerd. I'm sure you are, too. So this really wasn't a, a hassle for me, but I, I do appreciate the time and, and thank you for having us on your show. And arrangements for us. Not bad for your first episode, right? Not too bad. I mean, you made it really comfortable. A lot of fun. I've been, I've enjoyed this last hour. Honestly, I felt like I was on here ten minutes. Yeah, time flies yeah. when you're having fun. And Kevin, <laughs> there you go. any final, final thoughts, final comments on School Bus World? Well, I think what you guys are doing here, Jason, by having this podcast and bringing to light certain important issues and giving people like myself and Stephen a forum to have an open chat about what we think is important and some of the reasons why behind our products. I think it's a great medium to offer and I, I wish you all the success in the future to continue moving forward. And, you know, we look forward to being invited back in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to get you guys back as, you know, as things open back up and we get, you guys get more of their product out there and maybe get some, a few uh, transportation directors that are actually, you know, using the product and get them on the show along with you guys to, to talk about just the successes that, you know, that that they've been able to have so i appreciate you both being on here chad you got any final thoughts well um i made some pretty good points in my little soapbox about safety should be first <laughs> when it comes to the kids and and that uh, that should be pushed by the dealers the sales reps um 
and you know even the bus drivers they should start you know making sure you know, the squeaky wheel be the squeaky wheel let yeah. let the transportation directors know that this is a big problem we're continuing to have this problem i know we had a podcast in the past about people running past you know buses that are stopped with their lights on this will help and we we did receive some information on this recently um what tom sent to us definitely something to look at i want to see more about it i'm going to go over to um i want to find out for you guys exactly which schools have it because i'd like to give you a short video to show some of my transportation directors before they order new buses or you know even the ones that have them now this is something you can put on your bus um so i'd like to get more information for you guys as well so i could help spread the word because i think it's very important for the, the sign and the stop arm um, even if, even if a director only wants, you know, they have no amount of money, just go with the stop arm. That seems to be, you know, you made a good point. It's lit up. It's in the sh- shape of a stop sign. It's very attention grabbing. Just go that route. If they, you know, if you got just a little bit of money to spend and you have to pick one or the other, I mean, my personal preference, my personal preference would be the stop sign. That seems to be like the one that would get the most attention for sure. Um, I think you're touching on something important. I mean, just putting it on a route that is uh, more controversial for them and, and more dangerous to give it a try, right? Yeah. Just to see yeah. what that, that start benefit with one, is. You know, start with one yeah. one product and see what see what happens, right? I mean, we're we're what not could, talking like a you know a, a ton of money, and I won't ask you guys you know put what the price is out there, but you know it's it's reasonable. It's reasonable to put it on one one of your most challenging routes that. You know, you're seeing these violations happen and and take feedback from it, right? Test it out. And, you know, everybody can find a little bit of money here and there to make it happen. I can guarantee that. So can we discuss that? Can we discuss, like, the stop sign, the stop arm? What What is the cost of that? I mean, is there an MSS, MS, what, MSRP, Manufacturer Suggested Retail Price? Or do you want to discuss that on the radio or the podcast or not? I don't know. Sure, where you guys are at on that? How about just yeah. reach out to reach out to your sales guy. Reach out to Steven and get a demo from him, and uh, you know, or whoever you're. Well, the reason I the reason I ask is because I have these school districts. We have school districts that put dual cameras, stop arm cameras on their buses. Those aren't cheap. I'm going to guess buy that they're a, cheaper a than, I'm going to guess that they're cheaper than the dual stop arm cameras, and they're they're. I mean, I've, I've I've seen the price and I'll just speak to that and that it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a a better option to go if you're looking to, you know, save money one place and reinvest it in another place. Okay. So you just made my point right there. So these people that are putting the dual stop camera, stop arm cameras on, save your money on that. It goes to the tent. It goes to the, well, I need a stronger cup holder. I need a stronger, you know, what, like you don't need any of that crap for your, your drivers. So. You know, well, we can. I can get in a whole different soapbox about needs versus wants, and uh, you know, this is definitely something that I think would be a much more benefited need in the safety of the student. I understand that bus drivers are in their their seats for six to eight hours a day, but you know, there's some things that you know really we need to f- refocus our priorities on. So uh, definitely, you know, those are some things that you can, you know, we can talk offline. And and like I said, you know, Stephen did a great job of of taking an hour when we met before and running through everything. And we talked you know, candidly about this and, and what the product looks like and who I can connect with as far as my sales reps go, you know, through the big three. So, um, you know, I think it looks pretty good. So. You didn't say a word to me about it, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you're on the podcast, Chad. 
Yeah. Hey, can you guys give us the website one more time? It's firstlightsafety.com. I just want to okay. say kudos. Thank you. Kudos to what you guys are doing and, you know, taking the step to, um, you know, really promote student safety and school bus safety. I think this is a, a really good opportunity. I'm excited to see what uh, First Light Safety can do and, and where they're going to go from here. So appreciate you guys again taking the time on this Saturday out of your, you know, away from your families and, and coming on the podcast. Look forward to uh, getting you guys back on here soon next couple months maybe after trade show season so uh until then everybody check out first light safety and um you know until then we'll talk to everybody later be safe and uh enjoy your summer breaks probably won't hear from everybody uh here until right around june time so take care and we'll talk soon adios thank you guys thank you y'all have a good one You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off.